Hello friends, and welcome to the first episode of what I am intending to be a uh, fairly long-running parallel or uh, consecutive or internal or companion series, whatever you want to call it, to So Poetry, called So Poetry Reviews. Uh, at the time of this recording, I don't know if these episodes are going to have their own um, like icon graphic or their own theme song. Uh, but I'm sure that I will figure that out by the time that this goes live. Um, I'm also intending for these episodes to not be like super, super long for reasons that I will get to in a little bit. Um, this one, um, this one might go over my intended runtime a little bit, uh, just because I would like to provide some, I guess, some background and some of my reasonings for, uh, starting this companion series, um, which... I have primarily two, um, which are things that I've been thinking about for a while. Um, the first one being, uh, as I'm sure that my, you, the listener, knows, um, some of the conversations that I have with the people that I talk to can run a fairly long time. And I've been, I've been wanting to do something more than just one episode of So Poetry a month, but it feels feels pretty sustainable to do one episode of, or one conversation per month. Um, it's a lot of time to kind of carve out of my schedule. Um, and I know that it's also time that other people have to carve out of their schedules and it can be sometimes difficult, like getting people, um, to finding time to finding the, the right time to talk to people. Um, because they're busy, I'm busy, life happens, things get in the way. Um, and I mean, I'm always grateful for when people agree to talk to me and like, we can finally sit down and talk, but I, it would feel sort of, I don't know, maybe like a glut of, of content or like too much for people to like sift through like a, a, I don't know, an hour and a half to two hour and a half episode of two people talking to each other. It feels like that's something that, you know, that I could, I could deal with that maybe once a month. Um. But I really enjoyed um, when I was doing two episodes or uploading two episodes a month, that sort of pace or that sort of, um, I don't know, engagement with you, the audience, um, and having something that for something for y'all more than just once a month. Um, so I started thinking about, or I've been thinking about just things that I could that I could do that also felt sustainable that I could, um, have as a sort of like extra upload or that additional upload. Um, and then I noticed all of, all of the books that I have strewn around my apartment, um, that have since been stacked up and put on one of my bookcases of all of these things that I have not read, but things that I've bought or that I've and thumbed through a little bit or things that I've been intrigued by and have, you know, maybe gotten like, 10 or so poems deep or, you know, like a couple of chapters or, and just for whatever reason, just didn't continue. Um, I would very much like to put a dent in that, in those various stacks. Um, so the melding of wanting to have something more for y'all on a, you know, instead of just one episode of So Poetry a month and also wanting to put in a, a sizable <laughs> dent in the things that I have not read sort of led me to um, 
thinking about if it would be uh, sustainable or possible to have like a review sidecast. Maybe that's what I'm going to call it. It's the So Poetry Reviews sidecast. Um, because I that one for me would get me to read a whole bunch of stuff um, and would force me to like focus and synthesize my thoughts on it in a in a just like have a place that I can I could put those thoughts um, because I've dabbled with the idea of of writing reviews um, but I'm not sure if any other um, writers out there um, experience this but. Um, I'm kind of over the actual act of writing. Um, I'm not really sure why. I don't know if it's all the essays and stuff that I had to write when I was in undergrad and grad school or just that, like, I don't... I, I would rather not write things that aren't poetry. I don't know. I've been trying to figure out my my way through that, but as it stands, um, writing things other than poetry feel a little anathemic and to me, they feel anathema. Uh, so, as a way to sort of bypass that, but still have a means to sort of collect my thoughts, I thought, well, I have an audio medium. I enjoy talking to people, sometimes at people when it's just me. Um, so I thought, well, this could work. Uh, so, as is probably pretty apparent, these are going to be just me episodes. Uh, I have done a handful of them before. I've done... Like, couple of so poetry on episodes i think i did one on video games i've done oh one on like residencies i think one on like mental health uh, i did one in response to the uh 2016 presidential election i've done a couple on haiku um so in that regard that's a sustainable for me um i don't know why i keep using that word it's it's feasible for me and doable for me um because, you know, like I could knock out 45 minutes, half an hour in a morning on a weekend. Um, so that's the sort of, the all of the buildup and all the background that has got me to this point. Um, but the, the two, I guess, major impetuses uh, or the things that really um, were the genesis for doing this, specifically this weekend or doing it sooner rather than later, um, was I read... Uh, Jane, A Murder by Maggie Nelson, um, and I encountered a uh, job listing at Grey Wolf Press, which, you know, if you know Grey Wolf, you know that their jobs don't come along, their job openings don't come along uh, too often, um, and I'm always on the lookout for, you know, maybe breaking into the, the publishing world legitimately. Um, so I checked out their... Uh, their job listing, and as in addition to a cover letter and a resume, um, they had a couple of extra criteria, things that they, they wanted uh, applicants to submit. Um, one of them was, I think it was a list of like your 10 favorite contemporary books. Um, I don't know if it was specifically poetry or fiction. I think it may have just been open to books. But the other thing was a one-page uh, book review. I think it was a one-page, single-spaced uh, review of a book. Um, and I just so happened to finish reading uh, Jane and Murder that weekend. Um, and I was like, oh, well, I've wanted to review things. I've just read a thing that is fresh in my mind. Um, I would like to apply for this job. 
So maybe I can work out something like that. Uh, or maybe I could use Jane a Murder as the, the book review. Uh, I wound up not applying for the job um, and not writing the, not writing the book review. But that sort of st stuck in my head for a couple of weeks, and I was like, oh, well, fuck. That could be the first book that I review for So Poetry Reviews, the sidecast. Um, yeah, so that, that brings us essentially to today. Um, as, is, as I said, um, I am going to review uh, Jane and Murder by Maggie Nelson. Um, I'm not, I don't think that all of my reviews will follow the same... Well, I don't know. This was a, this will essentially just be sort of like a response, maybe. Um, not necessarily a review, because I'm, I'm not going to super dig into like the, the like critiquing the writing itself. Just sort of like, these are the things that it, it made me think about. Uh, these are the things that I saw it sort of in relation to. Uh, at least for this book. I don't know how it will turn out for other, other collections. Um, but, yeah. So here we are. Um, this is not the first Maggie Nelson book that I've read. Uh, when I was in residence at the Vermont Studio Center, I picked up uh, Bluets, which uh, a number of, of my friends and, and writing colleagues, uh, compatriots, told me that I should probably read. And it was one of those, Bluets is one of those books that I, if I, had I encountered it, so I, I encountered it in bookstores. It, it was one of those sort of coincidental things that it kept popping. Like people would talk about it and I'd seen it in a bookstore and then nothing would happen and then somebody else would mention it and I'd seen a bookstore again. It's like it sort of just kept appearing in my life. And I don't know if, at, if I had actually attempted to read it before I was in Vermont, if it would have stuck. But having it as a sort of... Um, Maybe not like grounding uh, rod or like it. It felt as a as a sort of constant for me when I was over that month. There's something that I could sort of return to, and because it's so expansive and so it covers a lot of ground, I could I could sort of and it's non-linear to a, a sort of degree. Uh, I felt like I could sort of pick it up and start anywhere and just sort of read a couple of pages and it would, it, it, being in that sort of uh, maintained creative space for a month um, really, I felt, gave me, maybe not an insight, but definitely felt like it, it gave me a, a connection to Bluets in, in the way that it's, it's, expansive and associative and it, it just sort of goes and it feels like it's just the the sensation of reading the the collection um and it's it's short um i think it's less than 100 pages um yes it is 95 um and it was written so the to be it it feels like it's it's so expansive but it, in such a condensed form even despite the fact that it was written over the span of like three years um it it gives it lends it gives itself and it lends itself to that sense of sort of being in a creative space. Um, all of that being said, um, that was the sort of the the primer that I had for Jane a murder. Even though going into reading uh, Jane a murder, I didn't really know anything about it other than 
I knew Maggie Nelson and I knew her, at least her nonfiction-ish style based on Bluets. Um, and I can say, so I, when I read Bluets, I think I knocked it out in probably a day, maybe not even a full day. I think I, I read it in the span of a couple of hours. Um, and uh, Jane a Murder, I can also say, reads very, very quickly. Um, and I was thinking about this when I was putting my notes together for this, uh, this response that <clears throat> I know the, the people use, like, it's a quick read as, as sort of a, in critique or in review or in response to books. Um, and I've, I, was, I was thinking about the sort of uh, maybe connotation of that phrase. Um, I think it feels like at face value that it being a quick read is like, oh, it's, it's not super dense. It's, you know, written in a way, written in, written in such a way, or at least presented in such a way that it, it doesn't require a lot of like sitting and thinking time, um, as opposed to, I don't know, some super fucking dense, like philosophical tome. I don't know. But the way that I using the way that I'm using it and the way that I'm I'm going to I'm I hope that that term is employed more often than not is that it is it feels like it go the time goes by quickly um because it is so engaging and it's so um compelling that you I really felt like when I was reading it that I um I was being sort of captured or caught in this unfolding narrative that like you want it's it's a book that makes you want to keep reading to find out what's happening um because at its core it is essentially a like a murder mystery or the like the solving of a of a murder or the yeah i guess it is a murder mystery and then there was some attempt at, at figuring that out and, and piecing it together um so in that respect or in that regard um I knocked it out. Uh, I spent maybe like maybe three-ish hours one night reading it, and then I read about half, and then I spent the following morning in a, a similar amount of time reading like the next half. Um, so it definitely captured my attention. Uh, I did not really want to do much else when I was reading the book other than read the book. Um, and it feels like it's something that really lends itself to a a devouring in a sitting or a maybe two sittings that are very that are not separated by a whole lot of time um it also it feels or it felt sort of in a weird way appropriate that a night um separated or like a, a sleep cycle separated the first half and the second half because um one of the really interesting qualities of the book is is a dreamlike-ish state. Um, it I've I've not encountered a totality of David Lynch's work. Um, like I've seen chunks of of Twin Peaks and I've seen chunks of Blue Velvet and Mulholland Drive and a couple other things that he's done. I've never seen them in like in the each any any one piece in its totality, and I've not seen the totality of his work. But it has a very sort of Lynchian quality to it. Um, in, in the regard or in the respect that there, there, the way that the, the narrative and the way that the world is being presented or these, uh, the way that the story is being presented is not, um, 
the way that I had it written down is that it feels like everything is mutable and nothing is resolved. That there's all these, even even when you know there is a there is a person that is arrested for the murder of Jane, who is uh, Maggie Nelson's aunt, um, who died when she was in, who was murdered when she was in college, um, when she was in law school. Um, but so there is there's a resolution in that respect, and she you know there is there are these moments that feel like they they sort of connect and have a finality but things shift sort of constantly um and it it feels um in regards to bluet uh bluets uh it feels similar in style that it's it's a sort of braided associative work um but bluets feels like it is much much more expansive um that it it runs the gamut of a, of a bunch of different topics whereas um jane feels more focused in subject it's you know it's very much dealing with jane's murder and the sort of the world being constructed around that but whereas bluets is is very much you know very like flat almost flash numbered flashed uh, or numbered flash uh, like personal essays or lyric essays. Um, uh, Jane is is more varied in the sort of form that the information is presented to you. So there's poetry, there's flash flash essays, there's prose poems, there's excerpts from other books, there's excerpts from Jane's uh, journals. Um, so it it gives a sense that it's whereas Bluets feels like it's very much sort of the the internal world or the internal or the uh, the perspective of of Maggie Nelson it's like you you are very much inside of her looking out into the world Jane has elements of that but it it feels like it's more complete or it's more tethered to the quote unquote real world because you have these inclusions of you know books that were written about uh the string of murders that um it seems that that Jane's uh was a was a part of in in Michigan um, and also specifically from Jane's journals, um, which lend a, a, a very, there's a, there's a cinematic quality to it in, in that you have this sort of main narrative happening, but you have these flashes of these other pieces of things that are happening sort of independently, but in conversation to potentially sometimes in kind of correlation to um, to the the main narrative, um, which again f- to feels sort of from what I've encountered of David Lynch's works feels similar to that that you have these these sort of main stories and you have these other things that are happening and it's it's over time and it's sort of over your own intuitive association of things how those pieces fit together, um, and as you know I I feel like part of the the uh, the drive of the book itself is trying to find meaning between those connections or trying to find um, like meaning in the correlations of events or of, of names or of, of whatever, which I'll get into in a little bit. Um, it also reminded me, Jane, reading through Jane reminded me um, or called to mind uh, the glass essay in Knox by Ann Carson. Um, 
in again in the sort of like the 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 presentation or the 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 braiding together of these sort of disparate parts that all feel like at their core they are emotionally the same. Um, and I think that the the emotion or the emotional uh, core of this book is really it's like an ex, sort of an exploration of grief or the, like a, a that, that landscape and all the different like nooks and crannies and and deserts and plains and, and forests and you know cemeteries of of this landscape of grief, which again feels similar to Glass Essay and Knox in their sort of. Um, they're sitting with that. Um, it also feels similar of, of what I've read so far of In the Still of the Night by uh, Dara Weir and um, uh, the Death uh, Tractates. I, I was afraid I was going to get that word wrong. Uh, the Death Tractates by Brendan Hillman, um, which are both... Um, I know for sure that Brendan Hillman's is, is a sort of uh, master class in the, explora- the, art, the poetic exploration of grief. And what I've gotten of in the still of the night so far feels, I don't know if it actually is, but it feels emotionally sort of similar to that. Um, that's actually uh, in the still of the, in the still of the night is one of the books that's on my uh, docket soon for review. So I will find out maybe in another month or so. Um, in that, so in that regard, uh, I'm sort of amazed at what Maggie Nelson is able to do in this book um, because I've attempted to like write through grief or, or write maybe out of grief or just to, to, to explore that, that space in a, a poetic and a creative way. Um, and it's, it's really, really difficult to be able to navigate through, um, to navigate through all of the, the darkness and the weight and the sort of depth of the things that you're feeling and, and to give them a like a, a objective creative perspective but to also be in them to feel the emotions to to sort of fuel or to get you to the truths of those of that of that creative perspective it's it's an equilibrium and a balance that is, I think, very, very difficult to maintain. And uh, Maggie Nelson does it in a way that is is really like, breathtaking. That it feels it feels totally unaffected, um, or it feels totally like it is it is not an affectation. It feels like it's a it like in that way. If the, this is how she, I imagine, probably really thought through these things or expressed these things or like navigated this space. Um, which is, if any, if, I mean, if anyone's writing through like trauma or writing through grief or is, is trying to, to, to find out if there are things that you can, you can utilize in those spaces, I would 100% check out, um, Jane, like just to, to see how, to see a possible example of like how you can, how you can pull that off. Um, it, it's really, it's, it's really astounding. Um, so sort of maybe on that note it's it was really interesting to to read through the collection and see you know like individual poems um, that I was really I was wondering if they could exist outside of of being part of this collection which is something that I've 
that I've thought about in, in the sort of um, the creation of my own manuscripts or my own chapbooks or thinking of things, you know, like if, it, if a poem, well, thinking about like how poets decide uh, what pieces from a collection or from a chapbook is strong enough to be able to stand on its own um, in a literary magazine or you know like something that can that can sustain a, a, a single or a individual submission or publication somewhere um, and thinking about you know, like um, albums or like let's say like a concept album that you have these you have these things that are constructed in such a way that is it's it's intentional that whoever the the creative is working on them, be it a poet or being it a musician or even if it's like a, like a director working on a, a, a vignette of um, films, that there is a very particular order that they have arranged this thing in to be ex so that the reader or the audience can experience it, um, and to to take those things out individually and to just have them devoid of the of the the rest of the context like i don't it's something that like is if if you're working on a collection um maybe like a full length that is a little less uh maybe thematically unified than a chapbook is um is it necessary that every poem in that is is able to stand on its own weight or because that it is a manuscript, um, is it is it therefore its its function or its work is that if it's indispensable to the manuscript that that sort of like if it's if it can exist on its own or if it's something that can't necessarily exist on it on its own but is indispensable for the the totality of the manuscript I don't that's something that I've been I've been thinking about a lot and there's something that it was curious to me to think about because um, I read through the uh, I guess the acknowledgments at the the end of the book and in it um, Maggie Nelson thanks some of the literary publications that that published like a chunk of or pieces from this collection and it was it was a really it was something that I hadn't thought about when I was reading this book I assumed I sort of went into or once I started reading the book it felt like it was such a a unified um, creation that each individual poem in in the work or in the collection didn't necessarily feel so much like like it was an individual poem. It felt like it would be like if you had a novel that you took a a chapter out of. You know, it's like that chapter is not intended to be its own thing. It's it's part of a much of a much bigger thing. So the image that I got. Or that started formulating as I was reading through the the, the book. I don't know if it's a collection book. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I guess collection would imply that it's a bunch of sort of individual things that are grouped together, whereas a book maybe gives it more of a sense of a unified. That the book is the the smallest unit, not the individual things in it. Um, but regardless of that, the image that came to my as mind as I was reading through was that of a um, like a spoked wheel that each piece in the in the in Jane a murder felt like a spoke of that wheel that it you know like by itself it's just like a rod of metal it's just a a piece but when you stick them all together you you get this thing that is that has form and has structure and has function 
and is the unit. It's like if you're talking about wheels, the smallest unit of that wheel is the wheel. Like you can't take any any part from that wheel and say this is the wheel. They all have to be together to say that's like okay, this is the wheel. Um, so just thinking, just thinking about that and thinking about like what, like what criteria did did Nelson have to to be able to say that this. Um, this piece is a piece that can can withstand the sort of um, like maybe like the centrifugal force of being its own individual thing, and it can it can have its space. And maybe it was that you know, I guess I was imagining that this, that this book was sort of created um, with the intent that this going into it that, that these piece all of these pieces are being written for this this unified project but it could very well be that you know some of these the essays or some of the the individual pieces of of poems in in the book were written first and then over time nelson may have realized that oh i'm writing all these things about the murder of my aunt and maybe there was a shift that there was a collection of these things that were sort of written first and then the realization that, oh, all of these things are being written about this one particular subject, and then the shift to very intentionally now writing about this thing. Um, I don't know. I, I would like to get uh, Maggie Nelson on the podcast at some point, so I might ask her <laughs> about that. But anyway, um, yeah, so it's, it, it, in, that, in that regard, and I've been saying that a lot, uh, Reading reading the collection, it didn't feel like, as opposed to, I don't know, reading something like uh, Dreamwork by Mary Oliver, which I mention only because it's sitting next to me on the couch. Um, you know, like those ind- the individual poems in there feel like they're in relationship to each other, but if you took one of them away, like it could stand on its own and the collection could more or less like function by itself. I feel like with, uh, with Jane a Murder, it feels like it is it is such a unified and coherent and cohesive work that it's difficult for me to imagine like a piece coming out of and maybe now it would be difficult to subtract a piece and have it exist on its own without the context or the relationship or the circumstance of the rest of the things in the book um but i don't know it's probably a how it was written in the first place issue um, so, um, as I, as I pointed out or pointed out or pointed out earlier and then pointed out a little bit ago, uh, the work has a, has a very dreamlike quality. And I, I mentioned that there was a sense that, uh, everything is mutable and nothing is resolved. And that's something that I sort of, I got early in the collection and then, or early in the book. And then it sort of was reinforced throughout it. Um, because you get hints of these connections or these things that could be evidence of different or deeper meanings and um, deeper correlations between events, but it feels um, really, really tenuous. And there's, there's a lot of like, if you hold it up in this one particular light and you, and you at, at this particular distance away from you, it works, but as soon as it shifts or as soon as the light changes and you catch a different facet coming off of it, 
it kind of falls apart. But then it might come back if you hold it in this other way. It's like, oh, okay, well, this, I guess it could work this way. And then if it shifts again, so it's, you only get moments of like, of a, a sort of resolved or a sort of uh, maybe deeper meaning happening. Um, and par- I think part of that is, is, a res- is a result of and because of um, so much re- involved in the case of Jane's murder is, is unresolved. Um, or on, sorry, it's unresolved, but it's it's unanswered because I think it, it can't be answered. That there are all these resolutions and all these these things that could that could lead to a sense of finality and a sense of being done that are locked away in the internal worlds of other people. You know, like things that people forgot, or um, the you know, like the murderer who, you know, like I don't think really copped to the 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 murder of any of the women that he's he's accused of and was convicted of murdering um but also like no one really knows aside from jane and the person that killed her what happened that night um and i feel like nelson does a lot of work it's at trying to recreate those moments based on um the facts or the 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 bits of objective truth that she's able to to get uh, in in doing this research, um, but I I think that ultimately the point of this book is is to not answer or to solve Jane's murder or like what happened to her. Or, um, I think that the the point of this book is to sort of explore and establish what what Nelson's relationship is to that fact or or to her her aunt's death. Um, and within that space, it, it becomes a, a it shifts it from being a this is a factual thing like a true it, it it's this is not a true crimes book. There are elements of that in there because at its core, you know, like at least the narrative, the the narrative trapping or the narrative frame of this is like trying to figure out what the hell happened to her aunt. But I think that because I what I feel is the main crux of the the book. Or maybe the like the, the impetus behind it is to to figure out what is for Nelson to figure out like what her relationship is to her aunt and to her aunt's death and to, and to what impact that had on her mom because there's her mom's sister and you know like her mom's parents um, and like to be to be born into um, that to be born into that reality and to have all of this stuff had already happened. Um, in in the world of her family, and to be born into this world, and to have to navigate like, okay, this this is the reality, this is the landscape. Um, I think that it shifts it from being a, an objective murder mystery, and you know, like uncovering clues and uncovering facts and uncovering the truth, to something that is more a an arriving at like an emotional truth or a. Um, arriving at some sort of internal location or internal space or an internal reckoning, which I, I feel like has different, um, there's a different set of criteria of how that can be resolved or not resolved or in a way that if it's not resolved, can it still feel like it's an ending that is like satisfying or a place that's like maybe just a place of rest instead of like, this is the end or this is not the end. Um, 
And I, I feel like this book, or I see this book as a, as a, as a way of Nelson sort of mapping a landscape that up until this point has been, you know, like dark and impenetrable. And, and this is her attempt at trying to invite some sort of illumination to the space, or at least give herself her own sense of bearing in, um, in this, in this world. Um, and I, I think that because it, it shifts to an internal landscape and it shifts from the sort of objective factual truth to a more internal emotional truth, that's sort of where the dreamlikeness happens because it is, it is written, you know, it's like it's, it's fairly associative, um, which when you get into like stream of consciousness can lead you into sort of dream logic where things can exist uh, that may happen. One happens chronologically after the other that chronologically would negate it, the, the previous thing, but they can still both exist and coexist at the same time. And neither one is wrong or it's not a paradox. It's just like, it's just both things at the same time. Um, and I think that, that part of, another part of the dreamlike quality, and I think I may have mentioned this before, is that like Maggie has to, or Maggie Nelson has to fill in, has to fill in so much of, of the world and has to sort of imagine what's, what's taking place or what took place. And as a way to, to do justice to, to those events, when you have a lack of objective truth or factual truth, I think that if you can supply an emotional truth that you know is is potentially creatively rendered and is not the quote unquote unquote truth of the matter like what actually happened heavy use of air quotes um, can still feel true and I, I think that that's um, that's the work that Nelson does in this in this book is is pr providing like her story in relationship to her aunt's murder and her investigation and, and looking into those events in such a way that like ultimately feels like it's truth. Um, it like it, it seeks to arrive in, in that place. Um, but on top of that, it's, it's interesting that the book begins with a section called the light of the might. Uh, sorry, the light of the mind in parentheses for dreams, um, and it is a series of four short, like prose poem, short lyric essay um, explorations that I feel like are written about her aunt, but that you're sort of just thrown into this into this world, um, and it has qualities of a dream. Um, and I think I feel like that's that's a, a primer for the sort of rest of of the book that there is this space of like the facts might not be true because you know like there is only a set amount or there's a there's a very finite amount of things that that are known and that can be known, um, but the like the tone and the emotion and the the poetic conceits of of this thing are true and they feel true. So you have that as, I guess, sort of the the beginning. That's that's the 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 start of it, and then you have this this exploration into her aunt's death and her murder, and sort of just the the what surrounded that, and to like the type of person that her aunt was, and 
Um, then you have a final poem, which I will get to, and then you have an epilogue, which is returns to the sort of dream world that the the opening did. Um, uh, and it it's it's a it it feels in a way that like it's it tonally and visually and with the use of imagery like it it feels like it it closes the the circle or closes the path or the door maybe but it's not a it does so in such a way that it it still feels open and it's it's still it allows the the story to resolve without being like really resolved and i think because it's like it 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 lands on that sort of emotional truth it's like yeah this is you know after having gone through all of that work um to to explore this space and to 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 create these things from the space like this feels like this is the place that you would that you would arrive in um and it's interesting that the the sort of internal exploration of of her aunt and her relationship to her aunt and her aunt's murder um, is presented in a way that feels like the associative relationships between Bluets. That, like I was saying, that you can sort of take you can take a couple of steps away from that sort of stream of consciousness associative connection, intuitive associative associative connection, and get to sort of dream logic. Um, so there, are, in those collections, the, they don't. There's not a whole lot that is necessarily presented as dreams. I mean, there there are a couple of dreams that that Nelson writes about that she has had that she includes in, in the book, but they feel sort of like rhymed to it, or there's some there's some sort of inter, or intuitive correlation between the the events that happen between these two very obvious dream moments that sort of cast this this haze or this mist over everything. Um, which leads me to sort of the, I don't know, what I feel is the sort of like final emotional moment that happens. Um, so like, like I said, the, the image that I got while I was, while I was reading uh, the book was the, like a wheel that has spokes. That this is sort of all, it's, this is the functional image. And then at the end, I think I got sort of the emotional image, or what I feel is the emotional image, um, which, in my opinion, uh, or at least for me, would be um, like looking at something through binoculars and doing those sort of like f uh, fine-tuning, minute adjustments to bring things into focus. Uh, because there are definitely moments in Jane a Murder that feel like they come into focus as connected as more than just coincidence um early on um i think it's on page uh 50 um nelson writes about um just finishing reading anne frank uh, uh the diary of a young girl and later on in the collection uh there is on page uh, 213 there is a, a journal or a diary entry from jane where she talks about working backstage on costumes on the Diary of Anne Frank, like a, a theater production of that. Um, there is connections between um, 
uh, Maggie and her aunt, uh, Maggie's mom says that uh, her aunt's spirit lives on in her. Um, her aunt was called like a spitfire and Maggie has associations with like that, that term and like that energy. Um, Maggie's sister is named Emily. Her middle name is Jane. Uh, when they were younger, there was a series of like young adult, um, or I guess like children's books called um, Emily Jane, I believe. Oh, I just found this this morning. Um, yes. Uh, this is on page 178, at least in the edition that I have. Um, I'm, I'm going to read the, the middle paragraph. Uh, I became jealous that Emily's middle name was Jane. I felt it connected them unfairly, Jane, uh, Emily to their aunt. Plus, at the library, Emily found a young adult horror novel called Jane Emily, uh, about a young woman named Jane who, gets, who goes to visit her grandmother and becomes possessed by the ghost of Emily, her aunt who died in the house years before. Uh, the gothic meeting of the two worlds, the living and the dead, the back cover promised. Um, so you have these moments of like name correlations, just like things that feel like they, they could be, um, they, could, they could give, they could lend themselves to some sort of deeper meaning or some sort of deeper connection. Um, but, so you have these moments that come into focus and then they sort of don't. They, they immediately shift away into there's no plot, um, into sometimes we're just caught in the sequence of things happening that, you know, like her aunt um, accepted a ride from someone and then was murdered by them. That there was no there was no deeper meaning there was no um you know there's no connection there's no forces greater than than us at work it's just things happening and i think to me that is i think that to me that's a scarier thought than that there is some there is some design or some being at work that has plans and machinations and everything's going according to one plan or another um because i think that at least in that regard if there's a plan then all of the suffering and all of the the shit that happens in you and your life there's a purpose to it it may be a terrible and a shitty and a, a stupid fucking purpose but there's at least some rationale to these things versus the idea that there is nothing up above or around us that is navigating and orchestrating events to happen in a particular way that sometimes like stuff happens. And that to me is terrifying because that means that all of, I mean, if you get into a sort of existential the existential spin of that is like it's it's meaningless that there's no point that that's just part of how the world is or how the universe is or how things are just naturally that things you know like in the scope of things that can happen terrible things can happen and there's no reason there's no warning it's just like nelson says there's no plot um which is i think embodied in the very last poem in in the book right before the epilogue or no i'm sorry so it's the final poem a final uh, jane's journal entry 
and then the epilogue. Um, and I would like to read the poem um, because it, like, when I when I arrived there, I was like, oh, okay. Um, so it's uh, Denton, Denton Cemetery. Parallel to the highway, there runs a narrow gravel road that used to be a lover's lane. The road empties out to a field of corn, home to a huge red barn once flaked by white silos. Along one side of the gravel road, ten houses or so, a big brick one at the end of the way. On the other side, just a few yards away, lies Denton Cemetery, a square cluster of no more than thirty graves. The cemetery opens out to grass, then the highway. It's so quiet here, this gorgeous June day, and the whole world feels shrunken to this. Sun, big clouds, green fields, red barn. So much talk about the possible significance of the name of the headstone where her body was found. But Sir William Downing Sr. turns out to be just the grave closest to the entrance, the first inside the chain link fence. So there's no plot. Here is just where he dumped her, on a night of cold rain, and where my brother and I stand today, listening to the birds. So I feel like there is a tension in this book between wanting to have some sort of meaning or some or trying to to find or maybe even write in some some meaning of her aunt's death or why it happened when it did or the way that it did um that her you know like her wife was tragically cut short and that she didn't she couldn't she never got to the point or she never attained the things that she wanted to attain um placed against or on the opposite side of this idea that sometimes these things just happen like there's there's no deeper meaning to the fact that her aunt died the way that she did or you know when she did and all of these all of these things that that throughout her life seem like could be a way of like connection or a way of of bridging herself to her aunt or to her aunt's story um, you know, are maybe coincidences and don't do it. Or it could be both, um, you know, in, in the dream. And maybe that's why Nelson sort of bookended Jane a murder in the dream state to remind us that when you're in dreams and in with dream logic, two opposite things can exist at the same time and they can be held at the same, in the same place at the same moment and don't cancel each other out. So maybe it is that there is a deep, deeper meaning and there are these inherent and strong connections between all of these, these coincidences and all these things that seem like they could be brought together in a, a larger story. And that, stuff sometimes just happens without warning and without meaning and it's you know it's just it's just the way that it is um and i think i think because of that because there are these these two worlds that are being held together on equal footing 
in a in the exact same space, which is the landscape of her aunt's murder. Murder, like the things can can be unresolved. They can be unsatisfying, but in the same way, true. Like it feels true, and I think that ultimately, when you end reading this collection and you you arrive at this point that you're like, huh. This all feels true. Like that to me is like that's that's the conclusion. It's it's not that this book I don't think was written for anything to be resolved, for anything to be figured out or to be, you know, like finally have this closure for stuff. I think that it's just it's like it's the process. It's it's the moving through these things and the fact that like that's the landscape that it will never be that her that her aunt was was not murdered um that she never got a chance to meet her it's that that's the landscape that she navigates now and this book is i think probably mostly just almost like a travel log of of her navigation through that space um which i don't know like it it hit me where i lived not not in a not in an overly emotional way but in sort of like a deep deep seated like uh, i don't know the best way to describe it like it it felt like i was maybe this be this might be a good place to to stop or this might be a good final image that it felt like i was walking around a lake at night and on the opposite edge of it or on the opposite shore I could see you know a light from somebody else walking the same lake walking around the same lake that I was we were at you know we would never really ever meet because our paths like our orbits were timed so that we were always be on the opposite side on opposite shores but like I looked out and I saw her and there was a sense of maybe not of like comfort but at least of um of stillness or of, of maybe what's the word yeah so i think maybe not comfort that someone else is out there but just reassurance that like someone else is is treading the same path that you are or someone else is is treading a path akin to yours and that you know you can look out and you can you can see what they're doing and hopefully find something to help you walk more steadily <laughs>